0: Chapter 38 of the book of Genesis, chapter 38 of Genesis, reading from verse 1. And it came about at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Er. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. She bore still another son and named him Shelah. And it was at Hezib that she bore him. Now Judah took a wife for, for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your Brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother in law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so he went in to his brother's wife. He wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. Then Judah said to his daughter in law Tamar, Remain as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows. Up, For he thought, I am afraid that he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. Okay, so verse 1, and it came about at that time. So at the same time that would happen in verse 36 of the chapter above it, it says, Meanwhile the Midianites sold them into Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So when Joseph was 17, because we know that from... Chapter 37 verse 3, Joseph 17, he is then sold into Egypt. And when he's at the age of 17, he sold into Egypt right after that occurrence because Judah was very much a part of saying, hey, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of this. And they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Midianites or the Ishmaelites. And it was Judah's idea. So if there were 10 brothers selling them, that means that's two, two, uh, shekels of silver. For, for Judah. That's all he got out of this deal. And then he leaves his, fa- his father's family area and he moves in verse 38 to verse 1. He, moves to vi- he went to visit a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. So we saw where Adullam was. So it's only five, seven miles. It's not that far from Hebron, from the valley of Hebron where they were living. Uh, but he's going and he, he, he's there and he visits this guy. Now, this guy's not a great influence upon him. So what it is, is he is now going and he's spending time now with Canaanites. He is going to live among Canaanites. So who is this guy, Hira? So Hira is this, this uh, uh, Canaanite who's specifically from this, this city of Adullam, this Adulamite, And, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it, the scriptures say, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And you're going to see, not not that not that uh, uh, Judah was starting out with particularly good mor- morals, but it doesn't make it any better. Now he's gone to live among the Canaanites. Now in verse 2, it says, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He took her and he went in to her. So look at what it says. He sees this woman. He saw her. He saw, Judah saw, and then it goes down and says he took, took her, and he went into her. He saw her, took her, went in. Saw her, took her, went in. This is actually not much different than what had happened with his sister Dinah. When his sister Dinah went to visit the the people of the land, the Shechemites, then Shechem, the prince of the land, saw her, Slept with her by force, but it says he loved her and he wanted to take her as a wife. <clears throat> this is not that much different, but look at, look at the difference here. Again, this is another chapter where you see to- people totally devoid of having some sort of fellowship with God. So we go from Abraham praying with his, his, his servant, uh, uh, uh to, to get a, a, a wife For his son Isaac, and this thing was well planned out, and then the servant uh, uh, is praying for this wife of Isaac. And then you go, Isaac is then sending Jacob to a certain area to get a wife. Jacob works for seven years to get a wife. I mean, getting a spouse was something that was involved. And now you get to Jacob's child, Judah, there's nothing there. He sees, he takes, and he goes into her. I mean, as simple as that, boom, boom, boom. There's no family involved. There's no order involved. There's no prayer involved. There's nothing. And this is one of the things that happens. So some of you are not yet married. So just remember this. Marriage is something that you don't just, you know, get on Tinder and find your wife or get on Tinder and find your husband. It's not like that you put prayer around this whole thing and we're going to see the results of that and you say well this this something stuff like this happens all the time yeah it happens all the time but god doesn't have to give us every occurrence of it he gives us an occurrence of where somebody sees a woman he takes her and he goes into her someone does this and then and god gives us an example and of what this now means and what's happening now as a result of this and he gives us an example of a, you know, the mess that comes out of this. And then they start having children. So it says, so she conceived. You know, it doesn't even say in verse two that she became his wife. It leaves that for later. I mean, it was, it was just so matter of fact. Boom. He saw, he took, he went in. Just like that. Verse three. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Ur. So that means that Judah named him Ur, which means watcher. Person who is watching. Uh, uh, so, and then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan, which can either mean strength or sorrow. Uh, she, and she named Onan because she conceived and named him. In verse five, she bore another son and named him Shelah. So she named the second two sons, Onan and Shelah. Shelah means weak. And uh, so she she's bearing these. The, so he's not even involved in the naming. She's involved in the naming of the second two. Verse six, now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Tamar is a Canaanite name. So again, they are marrying into the Canaanites now. And uh, uh this is one of the reasons why God is going to take them into Egypt to get them away from the Canaanites. But in any case, he he takes a wife. So so he didn't allow Ur to just, you know, see and take like he did. He chose a wife for him, and it says, and and her name was was Tamar or Tamar. I, I think in that region of the, of the land, they actually call it Tamar. Um, and, and that is a Canaanite name and it's actually quite popular in the Middle East today. Uh, verse seven, but Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord took his life. You know, we have absolutely no idea what Ur did, but it seems to be something connected with his marriage to Tamar. Because it wasn't until after his marriage to Tamar that his evilness causes his life to be taken. And so you, you see this type of thing, that there's this evil and his life is taken. We are not told specifically what happened, but just that he was evil. And it says, and, and it is, is God caused him to die. God took his life. God caused him to die. God has that ability to do that. I mean, people can be so evil. It was probably something connected to the marriage, but we are not told exactly what. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as brother in law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. So Judah at this, so, so, uh, uh, Onan at this time is probably around 17 years old. And, uh, uh, so, so a lot has happened from verse 1 to 18 years to to verse 8. And this is actually according to the laws of both the Hittites and the Assyrians and the code of Hammurabi. So every code of that era said this should happen, that if a man dies and he has no children, that the next of kin is to impregnate that woman on behalf of the firstborn. And so that child now would not be so Onan no longer would be the, the, the inheritor of the estate from Judah. It would go directly to that child that Tamar was to have. And so Onan, and, and this is actually called a, a leverite marriage. Uh, not, 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 has nothing to do with the Levites. This term, uh, lever comes from, from, uh, it comes from the word, uh, the Latin word, but it just means husband's brother. It was called a leverite marriage. But but, uh, Levirate marriage was supported by both Hittite, Assyrian, and Code of Hammurabi law. In verse verse, uh, um, 9, Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so he went into his brother's wife. He wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. So what's going on here is the motivation here was not to raise up a child in his brother's name, because he knew that if a child was raised up in his brother's name, then he himself, Onan, would be out of the the, the, uh, um, the direct descendancy of being the, the preferred child. It's going to go to the child of, of Ur. His whole motivation here was not to raise up a child for his brother, but he goes into her anyway. And the sense of it, from what I, from what I was reading from the scholars is, the sense of it is that this was not a one-time occurrence, but it was a repeated occurrence where he was going into her. So he, what he was doing was, he was using her for sex with absolutely no responsibility to raise up a child. And we see this all the time today, and we see now a picture of what it is. To have sex with a woman, for a man and a woman to have sex, and to have no responsibility for offspring, it says that, that in verse 10, but what he did was displeasing. If you look in the literal translation, it'll say what he did was evil in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. What he did was to have sex with this woman with no intention of following through on what his father's command was, what the law of the land was. Sex without responsibility results in real trouble. You say, well, lots of people do this type of thing and they don't get killed, they don't die. Well, God doesn't kill everybody who does this quickly. He doesn't kill everybody who does this quickly. But what I'm saying is this, is that people who go from one partner to another to another, the tinder generation going from one partner to another, they are dying slowly. They are dying a slow death, which... which. In some cases, could be even more painful. Um, you, you know, you, you, so, so, you, you know, there, there's this verse in, in, uh, in, in, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute? Now, so what we're dealing with here is not joining self, oneself to a wife, but joining to a prostitute. The one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her. For he says the two shall become one flesh. What does that mean? God had pronounced the two shall become one flesh back with Adam and Eve. When a man and a wife come together in that conjugal union, the two become one flesh. Here, Paul is saying when you do that with a prostitute, the two become one flesh. You say, well, it doesn't have that much meaning. That's just a prostitute. In God's eyes, it has meaning. It has great meaning. It says, Do you not know the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, The two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body but the immoral man sins against his own body. What happens is, even when a man joins himself to a prostitute, the two become one flesh. Every time you get together and there is a conjugal union, there is sex in a relationship. Whether that relationship be with with, with your wife, or whether that relationship be with a prostitute, there is a coming together of one flesh, and you're giving a part of yourself to her. She is giving a part of herself to you. And you look at the tinder generation, because I see it. This is the generation with whom I work. I see it. Year after year, they do this, and it is a slow death. They become callous. They become hardened. And especially women, it's like they just have to put on a mask to bear the pain. The men can go longer, but they too become calloused, become hardened, and this whole thing just becomes like a wave that goes by them. And 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 there's so much of their life that they have given away to others. When you do this in a marriage, what happens in a marriage, you're giving yourself to a person that you're united with in marriage. This is going to have great meaning, and you're giving a part of yourself to her. This is an investment, when you're doing this with a prostitute or a one-night stand or with somebody who is not your spouse, this is a loss. You say, well, you know, we, we're, we we plan on getting married at some time. Well, how do you know? Many people plan on getting married and they end up not getting married. And they've given so much of their life to another person. And that's why it's so hard to come out of these sort of relationships. It's so hard both for the man and just just heart-wrenching for the woman because she's given so much of her life. The other thing that happens is if you're involved in a sexual relationship before marriage and you say, well, we're going to get married anyway. What happens is you've lowered moral moral standards before marriage and they become easier to lower when you're in marriage because you know that person not to be totally upright because they were doing this with you before you were married. So what happens And you say, well, you know, it's just hard for me to go without it. You know, this is what students have told me. It's just hard for me. So what's going to happen when your wife is pregnant and she's in her last few months and you can't have sex with her anymore? What are you going to do? You're going to just say, well, I just have to. And you're going to go out and get get somebody else. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you're traveling? And this happens a lot to people who are on travel a lot. uh, I don't know about women, but I know about men on travel when they go away on business for a month at a time you know and, and and I see this thing in Houston because of oil men that have to go months at a time overseas I mean they fall into other relationships with other people even Christian men you lower moral standards before marriage they'll be lo- easier to lower after marriage when you learn to contain yourself before marriage they'll be you'll be better at containing yourself in marriage because there's times when you can't follow through on this type of thing so so you see that that This is what's happening. This whole thing that's happening where he has sex with no responsibility of raising up children. This was displeasing to the Lord. How many people does he have to kill in front of our eyes to show us that this sort of thing is displeasing to the Lord? He's demonstrating it here. He is characteristic of what's probably going on with the other nine brothers. We don't know what's going on with the other nine. God's just giving us one of nine that's going on with. So now you have two children uh, well, and anyway, you have multiple cho- cho- two children here that that have died, so Judah says to his daughter in law okay, just wait till my other son my my third son uh, uh, here Sheila is a little bit older, and then he'll f- fulfill this this uh, uh, uh Leverite marriage with you, but he had no intention of doing this. he said to himself he says in verse eleven for he then Judah said to his daughter in law tamar Remain as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, I am afraid he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. So he had no intention, no intention of doing this. He was afraid. So he was just just buying time through this. All right, now let's start reading in verse 12. Now after a considerable time, Shua, Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, Judah died. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah. He and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. It was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Okay, so uh, uh, shu- sh- uh, um, so then what happens after considerable time, Shua's... Uh, uh, Shua's daughter who who was uh, a Canaanite woman. Uh, there was a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. Okay, so Jude, in verse two, Judah saw there the daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. So the father's name was Shua. We don't know the mother's name. Again, it just it just says Shua's daughter. This was it says this is Judah's wife. Now this is the first reference to this woman being a wife because before he just did everything by himself. She dies. He goes up to shear his sheep, so sheep shearing was a big event, and there was a lot of partying that went around this. So this was the time that they would gather up the wool from the sheep and and we know from other passages of scripture that 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 there was a lot of partying that went with this. And we know that from, from a passage in uh, in, uh, uh, in the book of Samuel, and uh, let me see if I can find it. yeah, okay. So in first, for example, in first Samuel chapter 25, there's a portion where there was a man named Nabal, and Nabal was sheep shearing, and he was drinking a lot, and he was, there was a lot of feasting that went on during these sheep shearing times. And so that's spelled out in first Samuel chapter 25 verse 36. So there was probably a lot of alcohol involved, a lot of partying involved. So what does he do? He's gonna go up to Timnah, which is like another five miles away, to shear the sheep with his, his uh sheep shears. So probably these were these were men that or women that, that really knew how to cut cut off the wool well. And uh but he brings along his friend, Hira, the Adulamite. So he goes with his friend Hira. So very often when godly men travel, they will bring along a traveling companion who's like an accountability partner. So many men who have to travel for long periods of time, and you'll see this with, with, with ministers. For example, Rabbi Zacharias used to almost always travel with another man. And that's good. It helps him to have another man that he can trust in to travel with him. And uh, um, and so who is Judah's quote-unquote accountability partner? It's one of his beer-drinking buddies, Hira the Adulamite. And so you see that Hira's not a very good accountability partner here. And then it's in verse 13, it was told, Tamar, behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear sheep. What does that mean to Tamar? She knows it's going to be a time of feasting. It's going to be a time of partying. He's probably going to be drunk. <clears throat> verse 14, so she removed her widow's garment, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in the gate of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila had grown up, And she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter in law. And she said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? And he said, Therefore, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, Moreover, Will you give a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and your staff that's in your hand. So he gave them to her and he went into her and she conceived by him. So here is this man who his wife has died. He's going and he's probably partying already, probably drinking already. He's not with a very good traveling companion. He's with Hira, the Adulamite, And uh, uh, he's going and he sees this woman and she's in a veil. And so a woman who was veiled was a woman who was going to be married or a prostitute would act like a woman who was about to be married, meaning uh, uh, an unmarried woman. And they wrapped themselves in the same way. Interestingly enough, he's deceived By this veil, her face is covered. He's deceived by this veil. Look in chapter 37, the chapter before, and start reading from verse 32. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. He deceived his father with an article of clothing. He himself is being deceived with an article of clothing. When you walk in deception, when you walk in dishonesty, what goes around comes comes around. <clears throat> Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And even what you see in the scriptures is you reap in kind. You, you, you deceived your father with an article of clothing, you're going to be deceived with an article of clothing. <clears throat> The same sort of thing. When we walk in deception, we ourselves will be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Remember when the scriptures say he shall reap it? It has to happen. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow goodness, you're going to receive goodness back. If you sow wickedness, you're going to receive wickedness back. You want to have a good life, you do good things to other people, you bless other people, you have a giving heart, you bless other people, and people will bless you in return. If you cheat other people, it's going to come back to you, and it's going to come back to you in kind. The same way that you cheat other people, you're going to be cheated in return. Again and again, we see this pattern in scriptures. She deceived her father-in-law. We're going to... We're going to we're going to follow up more on this later, but what I want to do is I want to look at one verse here in particular. Um, uh, I want to look at one verse here in, in, in particular, and this is going to be in 1 uh, in First Corinthians, 1 First Corinthians chapter 6 again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. I want to close with this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. We have a merciful God. Whatever your past, whatever your past, he says, come on in. I welcome you in. This is the beautiful thing about our God. What we're going to see is we're going to see the life of Judah and we're going to see the descendancy. We're going to look at that next week, probably the week after as well. But look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says you list all of these things. They're not inheriting the kingdom of God. You cannot participate in this stuff and inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. God is so merciful and so good. He has a way of reconciliation. He has a way of taking us from the dust, from the ash heap. And so if any of you think you're really pretty good, I guarantee you, you are not. If if the spotlight were shown upon my life, shown upon your life, I mean, just my thoughts condemn me every day. Absolutely condemn me every day. But God says He washes us. He washes us clean. So whatever your past, He washes us. There is life in Jesus Christ, life forevermore. He welcomes you. He says, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Come to me. Jesus invites us in and He says, come to me. If you don't know the Lord, I beg you, get to know the Lord this day. Get to know the Lord. Uh, uh, you, You will have this relationship with God. Get to know Him. Have this relationship with Him. There is so much goodness in the Lord. Get to know Him this very day. I invite you, if you don't know the Lord, please give me an opportunity to share with you. Give me this opportunity. You send me an email to tour at rice.edu. You send me an email and I will contact you. I'll reach out to you. We'll get together by Zoom and I will share with you. I will definitely share it with you. And let me just tell you my story about how I came to Jesus, how He washed me of my sins, He convicted me of my sins, and He blessed me. He blessed me over and over again. Alright? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. And I pray, Lord, for these young people in particular, that they would guard their hearts and their lives. For those who are not married, Father, that their selection of a spouse would be guarded, that it would involve parents, it would involve the Lord, it would involve God, it would involve prayer. Father, lest lest they set a pattern in their marriage that's just going to be destruction propagating from generation to generation. Father, I pray for those that are caught up in this tender generation of going from partner to partner. For those who have been through this, Father, for for, for the hardness and the callousness that is brought in their lives. Father, I pray for a softening that they would open their hearts to the gospel. Because you are the one who can cleanse and redeem, and redeem the years that the enemy has taken from them. Lord, I pray that you do this. Father, you are the one who does this. Lord, thank You for Your mercies. Thank You for Your ways. Thank You that everything that You have for us is for our good. Blessed be Your name, O Lord. Blessed be Your name. Thank You, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Amen.